Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Hello everyone, welcome to BYT Radio. My name is Brandon Weatherby. BYT Radio stands for British Young Things Radio. British Young Things is an arts and culture website based out of Washington, D.C. with a presence in New York and Chicago. It is the end of the decade, so we are over two months in to our Terrible Teens uh, End of the Decade Roundups. Uh, on the show today is BYT writer, usually a funny stuff not he's not writing funny pieces he's highlighting funny people matt Byrne. so matt Byrne is on the show today to talk about his three features of the terrible teens that have already gone up three that he's working on and it's really just a conversation about uh the last 10 years in sketch comedy stand-up comedy uh vine comedy non-snl sketch comedy uh and specials and i had a really good time recording it with matt if you would like to read any of Matt's pieces or any of our terrible teens coverage, just go to brightestyoungthings.com. It is all there. One personal plug before we begin. Uh, my talk show, You, Me, Them, Everybody, turns 11 years old this year. So uh, this Friday, on Friday, December 6th, uh, we have our anniversary show at the Wonderland Ballroom. Uh, it's going to feature Washington uh, Post music critic Chris Richard. It's going to feature uh, host of GTFO Radio on uh, Full Service Radio, which is how you're listening to this, Allison Lane. She's the co-host. Uh, it's also going to feature uh, brightest young things, Benson Ball performers of past, Haywood Turnipsey Jr., Kate Flaherty, and Andrew Bucket. Once again, that's tomorrow. No, sorry. Yeah, tomorrow, Friday, December 6th at the Wonderland Ballroom. Please come out to that. So here's my conversation with a British Young Things writer, Matt Byrne, about funny folks in our Terrible Teens series. Enjoy the show. Uh, you're the resident BYT funny person that's not paid to be funny. That's correct. I, I uh, would never. <laughs> you are a com- You are a writer about comedy, but you are not a comedy writer. Correct. And also uh, not comedy critic. Because uh, I don't like getting yelled at. <laughs> All right, let's just. Well, the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because I'm, I'm quite enjoying your terrible teens coverage on BritishJunkThings.com. You're doing all the funny stuff, and by funny stuff, I mean uh, the top ten sp- stand-up specials you'll think will be able to recommend in ten years. That's a good one uh, for problematic reasons. Uh, there's already some mm-hmm. on it that I don't agree with, so it's perfect. Oh no! Oh yeah. Let's keep Who's moving. Who's been canceled? <laughs> and then, uh, oh, they finally man. came for Bamford. Yep. I was hoping you were going to go for the Nanette route, but I went for the, the Bamford oh, is better. Sure. Uh, the yeah. 10 best late night stand-up sets of the 10s was so enjoyable, and I completely forgot about my favorite of those, which is the oldest of them. And then this week's uh, 10 comedy banging episodes that changed comedy in the 10s. There's three more coming. We're, we're ha- halfway through the three. Was the 2010s a good time for comedy? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot to be said about, you know, the democratization of, uh, you know, access or whatever for um, people. It's, you know, never been easier to record a video of yourself on your phone and have it not look like total shit and put it out online and, you know, develop a, 
a pretty intense following um, without a lot of traditional support from, uh, you know, the industry or whatever. Um, people like uh, Brad Evans and Nick Sorelli, uh, people like uh, Megan Stalter um, have, you know, pretty, uh, pretty bare bones uh, video setups and stuff and uh, make really well-loved stuff uh, online um, and, you know, currently aren't all over your television, but will be probably in the next few years. It seems like, yes, you can do all those things, but at the end of the day, the goal is still traditional media. I think because then you don't have to work a normal person, awful office job. Oh, no, no, I understand. The kids or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, I understand. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to get down to is there's still no real money in the fringes. That's why they're the fringes. Yeah, it's not sustainable um, unless you have some kind of runaway fluke, uh, you know, podcast that gets blown up on Patreon or whatever. Uh, it's definitely still a jumping off point for, you know, building a fan base or developing your voice or whatever. So that today's uh, feature, sorry, Wednesday's uh, feature, Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, th- that's what we're focused on, not Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show. And there's a big difference here. The The podcast has been going for a lot longer. There's clearly no TV show without the podcast. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you're, you or I are listening to the show at all if Scott Ackerman doesn't come from Mr. Show over, like, at this point, almost two decades ago. Right. So, once again... <laughs> Is it even is it just as difficult to break through, or is it actually easier? Because everything that we're covering here is very, very, very traditional. Right, for sure. So um, I guess breaking through uh, in a meaningful way, uh, you're always going to have more success when you already kind of have some sort of backing or establish uh, have a, have an established fan base or you know associations with people that do. Um, but it is, I would say, still easier now than, you know, in the 80s or 90s or even the first uh, the aughts or whatever um, to uh, get yourself noticed through non-traditional means to then have it be the stepping stone to uh, a more traditional um, career, I guess. So this series began in November, on November 12th, with the 10 comedy specials from the last 10 years we think we'll be able, still be able to recommend in 10 years. Of the three features you've worked on, this is probably the most mainstream. It's gonna, you're going to be hard-pressed to not have heard of all of these specials. Right. Or at least have uh, glanced at them whenever you're on Netflix. Heard of the people doing them. Exactly. Know? Are you at all surprised that none of the CISO specials made your list or any of the super independent like epic specials made your list because for example Patton Oswalt he's got a Netflix special and an epic special in the last decade almost everyone yeah. I know has seen the Netflix one almost no one I know has seen the epics one right um, I mean for me personally there's a few uh, the Maria Bamford special 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 was released on some uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was some kind of uh, mid middle of the decade mm-hmm. yeah. uh, comedy startup thing or whatever. Um, that's kind of had a, taken on a life of its own um, on other platforms just because of the novelty and how you know unique and awesome it is. Um, the Todd Berry Crowdwork tour was uh, released independently through his like uh, website, I think. Um, but yeah, then beyond that, it's just a, a whole bunch of Netflix and HBO specials. And I think that does have a lot to do with just, you know, ease of access um, 
and you know it's it's a lot of bigger names um performing uh you know on some of the largest platforms and you know those are the ones that kind of break through or keep our keep our interest or uh for better or for worse speaking of keeping interest none of the specials are the comedy central half hours now we're not saying that the comedy central's half hours aren't funny it just seems right. that for this particular format, for some odd reason, the stuff that sticks with you seems to be longer than 30 minutes, save for the Tigataro special, which is a very yeah. strange outlier. Yeah, definitely a unique situation there, yeah. So the Tignataro special that we're referring to, that's Tignataro live slash live. It depends on how you want to uh, enunciate it. It's, uh, at this point, the infamous uh, I Have Cancer set that she did. And uh, Louis C.K. heard a board recording and turned it into an album uh, years before uh, everyone knew what just comics knew about Louis C.K. Yeah. Years okay, moving after. on. Right. <laughs> 10 best late night stand-up sets of the 10s. I found this one great because I knew of probably half of these sets and the other half I was completely ignorant to. Now, you do a weekly piece for BritishYoungThings.com called Funny Human of the Week. It's self-explanatory. So I've heard of a lot of these people well before mm -hmm. they were on television. But uh, most people haven't. But these actually broke through. And in your intro, you're right, there's still something special, something pure about those five-minute sets on late-night network yeah. talk shows. Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, we were talking about the, the you know, why maybe the hour-long special uh, kind of linger and stay with us a little bit longer. That's like a huge, you know, you're getting basically the, the feature-length full, you know, presentation of what a, what a person is or what they're all about. Um, and, you know, they can, they can kind of indulge a little bit more. And then with these five minute chunks, uh, it almost is forces them to distill who they are and, you know, kind of acting as an introduction or, you know, a reintroduction of what they've been working on um, in a very, you know, tight, concise uh, amount of time. Um, and so like ones like the, uh, the Jacqueline Novak, um, on uh, on Fallon, uh, I think it was in 2018. Um, she spent five minutes um, talking about French fries and like ordering French fries at dinner with friends and the politics of, you know, sharing uh, plates when somebody you know volunteers to order something and all this. It's, so it's a, it's a really really unique uh, five minute approach. A lot of times you'll see these um, you know late night sets are autobiographical or, you know, kind of, you know, here's me, here's what I'm all about. And so it was really something special to see uh, such a bizarre um, and hyper-focused uh, five-minute chunk um, spent just kind of talking about one very uh, mundane thing. Of the 10 on my on this list, uh, my favorite is the most untraditional. It's the John Doerr and Rory Scovel stand-up set from oh, God. the summer of 2011 on Conan. I think I'm I might have said in in there that these lists are unranked, but that is the number one. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is <laughs> yes, this is. So I forgot that this existed, and like, this is why it, I love this list. Is this even stand up? What is this? I don't know, and it's but it's my favorite. It's it's so nice. It like it just what like putting these lists together. It's a lot like uh, visiting with like old friends, you know, where it's like, oh my god, I. I forgot, uh, you know, it's been five years since I watched this thing and it's still just 
you know, absolutely my shit in just the most perfect way. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I guess it's one of the closest things to like, it, you would see it more in a live setting if you were uh, the sort of person that goes to uh, comedy shows with any regularity. It'd be on, more stop. presented. Hold on. Hold on, oh, yep. Comedy shows of, of a specific variety. You're not going to see yeah. this at the improvs of the world. And that's not a bad thing. That's what I was, yeah, right. Um, so I was thinking, uh, you know, it, like it would be presented more in a variety or sketch context than in, on a, uh, a, a straight stand up show. Um, unless you're, you're kind of in a very alt leaning room or whatever mm-hmm. it's, it, and, and, um, you know, it, looking over that top 10 list, uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that, um, there are a lot of sets from, uh, Conan on, on the yeah. list, I think about half. Um, and that is, uh, partly because they are willing to take uh, chances with their bookings and be a little more generous and experimental and, uh, you know, welcome on weirder people um, to kind of do more what they want than on a more traditional uh, polished kind of network show. Speaking of weirder, I'm like thrilled Joe Para has a career. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. He's for me. I could never do what Joe Para does. Joe Para might be the polar opposite of the John Dora Rory Scovel. Rory Scovel <laughs> for those of that don't know what we're talking about and don't want to go to the uh, website to find this, uh, Rory Scovel and John Dora essentially scream over each other for three minutes. Or they just deliver their they, set passionately and right. it happens so to Conan, be. Yes. Conan introduces the bit as like, uh, you know, we messed up and double booked the, uh, the comedy portion of the night. Um, but the, these two comedians have agreed to share their time and then they go out uh, together and both do it's not beautiful. acknowledge each other and locked in straight onto the audience and perform uh, two sets at the same time screaming over each other. It's amazing. So the, the, let's say that there's 100 words total used. Joe Paris said, uh, conversely, feels like there's 20 words used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's slow. It's quite. It's Stephen Wright-esque to be pretty frank about it but i think it's it's sure. like somehow more pleasant it's very nice it's very comforting very uh balmy um, oh balmy is a good yeah, way to describe just, joe para right you know yeah it's uh just it's just very pleasant and um not uh bullshit at all in a way that i think a lot of other people that that would try something similar um would just come off as phony it feels very you know even though it obviously is an act no human being is like that all the time uh it feels kind of authentic to the voice that he's developed flip going another 180 uh shane torres on conan this is a clip yes maybe people have actually seen i think this is the most mainstream clip other than save the norm mcdonald clip on the entire yeah. list um yeah and i mentioned in the write-up like uh comedy stand-up comedy um unless something extraordinary happens uh, like a woman yelling at um, Harvey Weinstein, uh, stand-up comedy in you know the 2010s has not really uh, gone viral very often. Mm-hmm. Just pure clips of somebody doing stand-up comedy. Uh, shows get popular, specials get popular, and people talk about them or whatever. But just like passing around a five-minute clip of somebody talking on stage into a microphone, um, I have not seen a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, so it was really, it's really something that Shane's uh, dissection of why it's uh, bullshit that people 
uh, hate on Guy Fieri, uh, it really, really resonated with a lot of people. Now, I have a, a weird, not weird connection, but I feel like of every single person on this list, I most relate to Shane Torres. Because um, mm. when I'm not... Oh, I 100% see that, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that? Uh, having known you and having seen you uh, on stage uh, and host uh, various iterations of uh, shows that you have been involved with, uh, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a confidence and an authority uh, spoken with about um, pretty mundane things. Sure. That if you, you know, it, 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 I, I, I totally get it. So I love his defense of Guy Fieri. I've thought the exact same thing for years. He pontificated much, much, much more better than I have. <laughs> My, the closest thing I've ever come with uh, is about five to seven solid minutes of why Kim Kardashian is a great human being and that that family <laughs> has done more for the human population than most any other family ever. Incredible. So I'm not going to get into that now. Let's move on. No, that, that's another show. To Comedy Bang Bang, uh, a show that I want to say is probably the second most important uh, actually comedy slash podcast, radio show slash podcast of the decade. I think number one is the mm -hmm. best show. Yeah. Number yep. two is Bang Bang. I'm not counting stuff like WTF because that's just an interview show. Right. That's an interview show, sure. And that's the, that's the interesting thing. Maybe it's not interesting at all, but like when I think of podcasts, I instantly think of iTunes and I instantly think of mm -hmm. rankings. So if it's comedy, Comedy Bang Bang is a true comedy show. This is not yeah. a show where you're going behind the curtain. This is all facade. That's the point. It's a funny show. Conan O'Brien yeah. show. WTF, uh, all the ones that are in the top five every week are not inherently funny. There are occasionally jokes, but they're more like asides. Yeah. Um, why do you think that? I think I have an I, I have an idea why, but I want to know what you think of why do you think this has succeeded and no one's really tried to duplicate it? This being Comedy Bang Bang. Um. I think that format uh, has benefited, you know, from very early on, uh, again, going back to the uh, concept of like access uh, that we were talking about around Ackerman, um, where it's just like he, him, he happened to, you know, because he had been involved in the comedy scene in Los Angeles for, you know, well over a decade at that point. Um, he is just friends with a lot of the funniest people, uh, you know, when that show was starting out and still now to this day, I would imagine. Uh, so the, just the, the, the breadth and depth of the, uh, sort of folks that they were bringing on that show every week, even in the very beginning, uh, was pretty unmatched. Um, so they were just drawing from a pretty massive and at that point undiluted, uh, talent pool, kind of giving people the chance to, uh, do exactly the kind of stupid shit that they would want to do without a lot of boundaries or restrictions. Um, yeah, I think that, that's probably my take. But why has no one else tried to do it? Because I understand the access thing, but yeah. there's no, and I guess the best show is like the East Coast version of Bang Bang, but like access is not that difficult thanks to, Twitter and phones and sure. networks and yeah. it's not like there aren't thousands of podcasts hosted by people that ha are just connect just as connected if not more than Scott Ackerman. Mm -hmm. So, what is Ackerman doing that no one else is doing 
that is making this show still relevant after 10 years. Interesting. What do you think? I think it's because it's really difficult and it's super yeah, easy. Oh, absolutely. It's super it's easy, easy to, to, to fucking lock the gates yeah. and ask them what's, what's your deal, man. And it's super yeah, easy to yeah. talk about your deprivation tank and get high and talk about UFC. It's very difficult to stay in character 52 weeks a year and maintain the tone. Yeah. And maintain that tone. Even if it's a dismissive tone, which is the easiest yeah. tone to have, but it's still difficult to just keep in mind all of the references, all of the comic book notes that any other show would just throw away. The, the thing about yeah. Bang Bang that I'm still super impressed by is it's all of the storytelling and radio plays that have become sort of popular with the NPR crowd, but in a way yeah. that does not give a shit about the NPR crowd. Yeah, yeah. It's a, And I think that's one of the things that makes it even more interesting. Is it started as a radio show. Yeah, on and, Indie 103. The fact that he didn't really change the format since it began is a testament to how solid this idea is. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, they played, uh, they they took breaks and played like comedy songs for mm -hmm. like the first year or two while it was still a radio show, uh, and that was always kind of the the worst part of the show because uh, funny songs are usually very bad. Um, that being said, but uh, of the t of the top ten list, multiple funny <laughs> songs in your list. Yes. Yeah, that is true. You got me there. Okay, so um, this is actually, and this is a weird thing to say, this is the most touching of all of the three features we've discussed because it features Harris mm -hmm. Whittles, not prominently, yeah. but he's there. and um, He looms large over the, uh, the, the show, the voice now, of the show, I guess. Yeah. For the people that don't know how this stuff works, that are super interested, uh, you and I email back and forth, or I pitch you an idea or vice versa. And uh, I think the Bang Bang one came because uh, I just received an email from the REM publicist that <laughs> Scott Aukerman and Adam Scott's third iteration of a certain podcast uh, about REM, uh, it, they got REM on the show because there's this monster reissue, monster being uh, the 1994 album by REM, whatever. This is the second – this is the third podcast, right? The second one was Are You Talking You Two to Me? Uh, I think that's the name of it, uh, yep. with Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman. But the first edition was all about fish featuring Harris Whittles and Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott. Yep. And that all began on a 2011 episode of Comedy Bang Bang called Farts and Procreation. Did that's I get right. it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that, that about covers it, yeah. Now, that's how my brain works. I, re I knew that origin story, and I'm pretty sure you knew that origin story, but I don't think a lot of people are understanding why uh, U2 and R.E.M., the actual members of those bands, are now part of the Bang Bang universe and <laughs> yeah. how it all relates. Yeah. It's wild that they were able to uh, incorporate two of the most popular uh, uh, rock bands of the, you know, of a certain decade um, into a uh, show that has uh, a lot of, a lot of jokes about come per capita, you know? Yes, 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 yes. So moving on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why mm -hmm. I mentioned that aside. I just wanted people to know that like none of this stuff just popped up. You could trace all of it back to Z103. Yeah. Is it Z103? Indy 103. Indy 103. 
out of Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, yeah, baby. All right, so we're halfway we done it. with uh, yeah. the terrible teens features from Matt Byrne. Uh, we have three more coming up. Let's preview those really quickly. Uh, the top ten Vine funny people from the tens. I never followed Vine, but I began to appreciate Vine thanks to you. Because you would occasionally feature funny humans that sort of made themselves on Vine. Now, Vine is no longer yeah. with us. Vine is a yeah. social media application that was deleted for reasons. Oh, because Instagram videos started. So they got rid of Vine. Yeah, it's just some dumb, you know, yeah. Same so, reason everything good goes away. Before we started recording, uh, I was reminiscing about my favorite Vine person. Could you please sell the audience on one specific Vine user that's quite, quite good? We were talking about uh, Connor O'Malley, That's who um, is uh, is featured on uh, actually on Joe Para as we were talking earlier. He he's on uh, he's on Joe Para's Adult Swim show um, as a, a recurring role. He um, on Vine uh, gained a lot of notoriety uh, playing this uh, this pretty insane character that developed over you know a series of dozens of vines or whatever that started out uh, when he was living in New York City. Uh, biking around lower Manhattan and uh, screaming at old white guys in uh, very nice cars uh, that, you know, he, he worshiped the ground they walked on. He would drink their piss for them, all these things, like Good basically stuff. being this like, you know, hyper deferent uh, vulgar creature that, you know, that you could imagine that basically what those guys think normal people are like and how they feel about them, you know? Um, Love it. So yeah, he, he, he plays these, uh, these screaming, you know, red-faced, uh, batshit uh, creatures that, that uh, you know, Vine's whole thing is that the videos are seven seconds long or whatever, and just kind of developing these this insane narrative over over these short videos is, is a really special thing to watch. The feature that is probably going to be the most difficult to not just focus on one show is the top ten non-SNL sketches of the ten. So, um the Washington Post ran a, a piece about the top, tw I think it's the top 25 sketches of the last two decades. Uh, Alahe Zade, friend of the show, uh, friend of BYT, uh, wrote it. She did a very, very good job. There's a handful of Key and Peel stuff. There's stuff from Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, our list, your list, is going to be a little bit more focused because it's not as long. And I have a feeling that it's going to be difficult for you to not just use every 10 sketches from one particular show. What that is show that being, show? I think you should. I think you should leave the yes. Tim Robinson sketch show that uh, premiered, I, I believe, this summer on Netflix. Um, I actually just rewatched. Uh, I was home uh, working from home last week during the uh, Thanksgiving break, and uh, just put on in the background, watched watched through the entire season of the show again. Um, it's a very it's a very special show. Uh, again, <laughs> uh, Red faced buffoon screaming, uh, a lot of that. Connor O'Malley makes an appearance um, throughout the show. Uh, it's it's a very uh, just beautiful distillation of one guy's uh, Tim Robinson's uh, comedic uh, vision. I guess he was on SNL for a bit, completely underutilized. They didn't, uh, you know, value his contributions for whatever reason. He took off and made one of the funniest sketch shows of the decade. Speaking of undervalued, uh, Paul of Tompkins. This is a standalone a piece that I want to uh, see from you. I yeah. am convinced that Paul of Tompkins created the most underappreciated futuristic piece of art in the 2010s when it comes to comedy. 
And it's not his uh, Mr. Peanut Butter character on BoJack Horseman, which is very <laughs> great. Also, a quick aside, uh, is Mr. Peanut Butter based on Dave Grohl? I think you've, you've mentioned this to me before, and I cannot watch that show and not think about Dave Grohl in that, in, as that character now. <laughs> it was my wife's thought, and I think she's right. Anyways, Paul yeah, Tompkins, right unfortunately mostly known as the voice of Mr. Peanut Butter. Before podcasts were big, I feel like such an asshole, uh, mm-hmm. he did the pod of Tomcast, and it's so old that the logo featured like the iPod as the logo. Yeah. It's a real pod or iPod. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, not an iPhone. It was a one man show, but it wasn't a one man play. He, he had multiple characters. The closest you could come to it now is when James Adomian talks to himself via character in whatever he's doing. But this was Mm -hmm. much more produced and it had a 10 arc, 10 episode arc. It was a narrative. I I can't think of anything that was more ambitious when it come when it came to stand up comedy or sketch comedy. Yeah, the the, the level comedy. of ambition, the uh, the level of production value that he was bringing to the table, because you know the 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 trope of you know two guys sitting around a kitchen table talking into a shitty microphone recorder or whatever, uh, you know, developed early and kind of holds through to now. There's plenty of now that there's more money in pumped into the podcasting industry. There's a lot more shows with decent production values, but um, Paul's was definitely one of the first uh, comedy podcasts that used, um, you know, sound design and music in a, in a really nice way. The what's the podcast trope that you're most dismissive of? Is there one? Oh goodness, I don't like shows. Hmm. I, I'm not, I, I like, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, how did this get made? But other shows that spend an hour, you know, talking about bad movies or whatever, it, that's it. never done it for me. Yeah. I understand exactly why you're saying that. Uh, how did this get made? Was that, uh, Marty Young things death becomes a true crime yeah. festival. So <laughs> clearly we're fans of uh, Manzoukas, by yeah. the way, if you're a fan of Manzoukas, listen to comedy bang bang, specifically the Manzoukas episode. I think actually, yeah. The Manzukas episode that is in your top ten also features Paul F. Tompkins. That's correct. It's him. Uh, those those two together, uh, the genesis of a very popular uh, malapropism that became, uh, you know, em- emblazoned on a whole bunch of different comedy bang bang merchandise. Uh, hey, Nong Man, <laughs> check it out. Well, we should close it there, but I need to get my gripe out, which is not a fun thing uh, for anyone to hear. Mine is the Reading Wikipedia podcast. Oh, those are bad too, yeah. I think that's the dominant... Maybe... Ooh, it's either one or two. The thing is, the Reading Wikipedia podcast is essentially the true crime trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Very few podcasts... Bringing literally nothing new to the Yeah, yeah. Very few uh, true crime shows... Um, once I'm going to put over death becomes us, uh, very few true crime shows are actually informed by experts. Maybe somebody that lived through a horrible situation or a detective or a former researcher, whatever the people that come to our festival are those things. But unfortunately, uh, there's entire networks based around people essentially reading Wikipedia and they're giving nothing. And that's why the pod F Tomcast to me so many years later is even more revolutionary because no one, yeah. no one took up that uh, cause. That that it's so difficult to do what he did. It's more difficult than what Ackerman does, and 
what Arkman does is already amazing. And I think we did a really good job uh, today, the last 30 minutes or so, highlighting... I think you did a really good job. Highlighting straight white men and funny people. It's just a perfect yes, time. Absolutely. It's oh, a couple gosh. of dudes. Guys being dudes. <laughs> that's the name of the episode. Guys being dudes. <laughs> That's, right, a, so, that's, a, that's a classic vine uh, right there, actually. I don't know if you're making uh, JK or if no, that's... No, it, it, it truly is. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a video of a, uh, some kind of like a college football coach standing at the top of a football stadium saying, what's better than this? Guys being dudes. Well, that's perfect. That'll close the loop. So look forward to top 10 vine funny people from the 10s. Top yes. 10 SNL sketches loops, of the 10s. Vines are also on loops also. Vines oh, yeah, that's right. When the video ends. Yeah. And uh, the Paul F. Tompkins, Pod F. Tomcast feature. Uh, Matt, thank you for doing this. Thank you. Uh, read his pieces on brightestyoungthings.com. Personal plug, uh, the 11-year anniversary show for you, me, them, everybody, is this Friday night, Friday, December Damn. 6th, at the Wonderland Ballroom in Washington, D.C. So come out, out for that. It features Washington Post writer uh, Chris Richards. Uh, Matt, you might know him because he used to be in Q and Not You like 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And Maybe. then uh, funny people, uh, Haywood Turnipsey Jr., uh, Kate Flaherty, and Andrew Bucket will be there. So come on out to the Wonderland Ballroom this Friday. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. Have a wonderful night.